0: Hello and welcome to Decades of Design. I'm Jordan Rich and I'm with Rosanna Saldi, designer, pattern maker, leather specialist, business owner, and entrepreneur.
1: I invite you to join me in my studio as I weave through each decade of my career, sharing the stories and all the unique details that have made it mine. I hope you find it as interesting and informative as it has been for me
0: traveling through the decades of design with rosanna it's really a fascinating story and we haven't even touched on some of the uh, thoughts on design and how the process works we'll get to that later but we ended uh, our last discussion talking about the 1980s and at the end of that decade everybody remembers the economy started to dip and affected a lot of people, particularly those in business. So it affected you. And as you enter the 1990s, where are you at this point?
1: So I'm thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I had kept up with my custom work. I was still doing custom work. I had dissolved most of my children's wear business and not dissolved all the licenses. But some of the catalogs were still out there. And the MLB catalog, uh, a local Boston store owner, Saw that I was from Massachusetts and reached out to me, and he owned a hip-hop store in Boston, and I started doing custom wear for him. So he would get me the clients. I would never meet them. He would just get the work, give me the designs. I would make the clothing, drop them off, and he dealt with them. So I started building a business that way, and he kept me very busy. And it's the beginning of the 90s, and, you know, I was going in and out of Boston to meet with him. And then personally, I had met someone who lived in Boston, and we had started a relationship So everything was going, moving in that direction.
0: Boston, for those who don't know, is a a great city, obviously, historic in many ways, but also a, a cultural center, smaller than New York, but still very important. And there's a particular street that is the magnet for people who want to talk about fashion, design, and things of that nature, Newbury Street. It's pretty famous. And as a girl growing up in Lawrence... Yes. You always had a twinkle in your eye thinking about Newbury Street, I guess, huh?
1: I did. And then going to school, you know, for design, which was actually on Newbury Street, I'd always go into the little shops and see things and say, hey, maybe someday I could be there.
0: And that day happens in the 1990s. Let's talk a little bit about that. What You were scouting locations or you stumbled upon something? How did that happen?
1: It does, yeah. So, I, like I said, everything was moving in that direction. So I decided, well, maybe it's time to open a little shop on Newbury Street. And I started looking at places, and there were a lot of empty places because of the economy that had crashed. So empty storefronts and many studio spaces that were available. And I came upon uh, a studio space, and when they opened the door, I I knew that's where I wanted to be.
0: Not just a place for you to work, but a place for you to sell your wares as well?
1: It was mostly um, for—it would be a custom studio, but it would be open to the public. You could Mm -hmm. come in if you knew about it or if you heard about it. Uh, but it wouldn't be like a storefront.
0: Do you remember the street number? I do. What was it?
1: It's 115 Newberry Street.
0: Beautiful street, lots of uh, foot traffic and lots of interest. So you open up this store, lifelong dream, right?
1: Well, I couldn't at the time when I first saw the space, I I said, you know, I love it, but it's expensive, and how mm. am I going to do this? So um, I didn't take it. Again, I decided w- what I, I needed to prepare in order to be able to feel comfortable to take the place and be able to maintain it. So I started looking at more things that could help me do that, and I started doing alterations for um, North Beach Leather, which was a big leather store at the time in Copley Place. Mm. And um, they I would pick up their jackets that needed alterations and do them for them, and from them... Next door to them was Valley and Coach, and I got all those accounts. And, oh, yeah. that
0: makes so much sense. Yeah, just as you sort of did in New York. You had the Spiegel catalog. You had uh, FAO Schwartz, Sachs. Now you're in Boston sort of working through the major leather people.
1: Yeah, so, it, so it was great. I would pick up those. I'd had, I was keeping busy with the store, the hip-hop store, sending me custom work. And like I said, everything was clicking and moving in the right direction, so... It took me about a year or so after I saw that space uh, before I went back and to see if it was still available because I was ready to make the move.
0: And this is 1994. Yes. Life has a way of intervening and making whatever plans you had take a big time diversion. So I'm not going to pressure you at all, but I know you wanted to share a little bit about the man you loved, your fiancé. David was his name. And you said everything was going so well at that point.
1: Yeah, everything was going so well. And like you said, things happened. And um, I had just moved in. I wasn't even in uh, the studio for a few weeks. And um, my fiancé went into the hospital. He was born with a chronic blood disorder. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, he would have a crisis and go in and come out a day or two later. Um, But this time, he didn't come out. And it was really fast. It happened so fast. And, it, it,
0: uh, a shock to the system. You also told me that your father, of course, you said this in an earlier episode, had a massive heart attack, which is also that jarring notion that somebody is in real trouble, somebody you love. Yes. At a, never a good time, but it happened at a time when you were just settling into the Newbury Street.
1: Yeah, and I was excited about everything. Like I said, everything was going well, and um, life happens. And
0: He was being buried overseas, right?
1: Yeah, so I had to leave. He was being buried overseas, and um, I followed and, um, for the memorial services and mm-hmm. to spend time with this family and to just take time to process it all.
0: I've been there, different circumstances, but I uh, was with somebody for 31 years, married, and it was a slow goodbye, but it, um, it doesn't make it any easier. No. The old expression, man plans and God laughs. I'm sure you've heard that. I don't want to say that there's a bright spot in everything, but there is a light, and it's in the form of a person I know. (laughs) Yes. And I love her to pieces.
1: (laughs) A mutual friend.
0: And uh, tell us about, Lauren, and why this particular serendipitous moment mattered and still does to you.
1: So I returned home after a while, and like I said, when I was moving into the building, which was a month or so prior, um, I was moving in, and my dad, again, was helping me move in. um, And we were in the elevator, and another person was in there with her dad, and she was moving in to the building at the same time. And we exchanged hellos and, I don't know, said we were both moving in, and that was that. And like I said, I left. When I came back, there was a note under my door. It was... From Lauren, who was the girl I met in the elevator. And she said, sorry for your loss. Um, Hope we can have a cup of coffee sometime. And she found out through a mutual friend of ours who knew me and knew her. And that's how he had told her what had happened. And so she reached out and...
0: This particular individual is an absolute sweetheart of a person in every (laughs) respect, and she's very Italian. And I think you've traveled with her, correct?
1: I have. We quickly became friends, and um, she really got me through that period in my life, I have to say. And we became friends. We're still friends to this day, Mm. 30-something years later. And, um, yeah, we've traveled together. We've done business together. We've laughed. We've cried together. We've done a lot together. And Actually, I'm,
0: that's one of the reasons you are sitting here with me, yes, because she, exactly. she introduced us together. It's so true, though, that when you're in that state of horrible fear and loneliness and anger and sadness and all the things that happen, it sometimes takes an outside voice, not to tell you to snap out of it. She never did that, I'm sure, but just to be there, just to have a friend.
1: Yeah, it, it was, because I was really alone in Boston. I mean, I had my I had my life planned differently, and it didn't turn out that way. Mm. But she she was a friend, and I, I mean, I refer to people like that as angels in my life, and uh, um, yeah. she was an angel that came to me. And like I said, we're friends to this day, and you know her husband, Reno. I and, do. Uh, yeah, we're all great friends, and, and well, the, we all have fun. Yeah.
0: I, I can't wait to travel to Italy with her at yeah. some point. Oh, it's
1: amazing. That's
0: a treat. Yeah. Um, it, so here you are trying to get your life back together after a shattering piece of news. Being on Newbury Street— there's a lot of action. There's a lot going on. And right across the street, the School of Fashion Design. Yes. That enters into your story, doesn't it?
1: It does, yeah. So, they um, approached me to see if I would be interested in teaching part-time, doing their pattern making and construction classes. At that point, I said, I I didn't really have the desire to do my designing anymore, but I had to do something. So, I was continuing to do my design on a you know minimal basis. And I said, I thought maybe it'd be a good change of pace if I did go out into the world and work with some students and just get a different perspective on things.
0: Teaching for me, and I do a lot of it, is so uh, exhilarating and fun and entertaining, but also I learn a lot. Did you find it to be the case?
1: Yes. You learn a lot because, you know, they they have their own ideas and they have they look at things differently than you do, and they're a lot younger than you usually, and... Um, yeah, it's it's it was very interesting work. I enjoyed it. At the time, I was at a crossroads with my career, and um, it kind of inspired me to maybe go back to school, and um, and that's what I did. Graphic design was the thing at the time; uh, it was up and coming industry. So. I thought it would fit in good with my design background and I uh, enrolled at Northeastern and I signed up for a a double major. I did a business degree and graphic design. So between teaching and going to school and doing a little bit of my design work, um, that kept me busy for the next year or so.
0: You get a knock on the door in 1996, which is another Rosanna
1: (laughs) serendipity. Every time
0: I say your name, I think (laughs) of the Toto song. Another serendipitous moment in the mid-90s. Tell us who it was and why that mattered.
1: And I'm working in there one day and I get a knock on the door and it's this person and he says, hi, I see that it says uh, custom leathers on your door. And, you know, are you the lady that does our custom leather apparel?
0: There is a name that's important at this point. I want to just tease the fact we're going to talk with him because you tell me he's (laughs) quite the conversationalist he is Antonio Ennis and he's got a lot to do with where you are today
1: yes he does and um, he again he came into my life at a a pivotal time Mm. and I talk about angels and I I guess he would be my archangel archangel yes
0: name drop time folks Through Antonio and the connections you're making, you're starting to do more and more for more and more interesting people, including some Patriots players, which means a lot of leather. you got a,
1: a right. lot of material. Yeah. Not Ma- as lean as the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> Not McGinnis as lean as the basketball players. And Lawyer
0: Malloy. You did something for Mike Tyson?
1: Yes. What
0: did you do for Mike Tyson?
1: So uh, we were commissioned to do a, a towel uh, that had leather boxing gloves on them.
0: Oh, so the towel is the towel. It's a
1: regular towel. With leather.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's amazing.
1: And that was one of the many interesting things that we worked on. (laughs) But there were many, many, many interesting things.
0: Now, uh, so far, we've only talked, you and I, about the work you've done for uh, bipeds, people with two legs. But there is a story. (laughs) There is a story about you working for a very big star a.k.a. diva,
1: Mariah (laughs) Um,
0: Carey. But what you did was a little different for her, right? Yeah.
1: What we did uh, for her were some outfits for her, two dogs. She had two dogs. We did some high-end Persian lamb jackets for them and leather booties. And uh, a Sherling jacket for another one of them, I believe, yeah.
0: And do you get feedback from her?
1: I did. People? Well, I got a signed photo from her uh, with her autograph and thanking us. Cool. For, yeah.
0: You are so cool. You really are.
1: <laughs> Thank you. But I can't take all the credit for that. I mean, I keep saying we and us because Antonio was a big part of all that.
0: So let's go back to that famous knock on the door in 1996, Rosanna.
1: So as I mentioned, I was in my studio, and uh, it was a a pivotal time at at that point. And um, I was thinking of changing careers, like I had mentioned before, and I get the knock on the door, and it's this person, and uh, he's actually here right now. This person
0: who is decked out (laughs) and looks as sharp as anybody I've ever seen. Welcome, Antonio.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me here. All
0: right. What prompted you to knock on the door?
2: Um, So Rosanna was designing— uh leather garments that i pretty much designed for our group the almighty rso at the time um and our forte was bruins the bruins b um because of the gold we were from boston the black and the gold was really manly it was tough and we just liked the whole toughness of the bruins image and that was our way of identifying ourselves as we went out of town and went on tour and things like that so there was a there was a shop in downtown Boston called High Voltage that was um, owned by a guy named Tom, uh, God rest his soul. And for many years, I would go to him with designs and tell him this is what I want. I want a, I want jackets, but I want the Bruins here. I want the logo here. I want some hockey jerseys, leather. Everything was leather. And he would get it done by her, but we didn't know. We didn't know who. We never
1: met each other. Yeah.
0: Well, that's the way things happen (laughs) serendipitously. Uh, (laughs) serendipitously. And and we've talked you and I, Rosanna, about your background in leather, and you've got so much experience. So it was a was a perfect fit. But how did you actually come together? How did that happen?
2: So I wanted to. Years went on and Tom was making a lot of money off of us. He was the (laughs) middleman. And we knew he was the middleman because we, we, we caught on that he was not making it. So that was the, you know, okay, so who is making it? And that became very intriguing to me, and I wanted to know. And I always asked him, you know, to meet the person. Oh, no, you don't want to meet the person. He just would never divulge who it was. I got her actual information from one of Tom's employees, but I had to kind of strong-arm it out of him. Back then, (laughs) I was very street. I was very adamant about what I wanted. My, My attitude was a little bit more... Uh, I, I guess I could say forceful, or well, you weren't but, robbing the
0: safe or anything. No, you, no, you were but just I wanted for information.
2: I wanted information, <laughs> and I wanted it bad. But he gave it to me, and that's how I winded up at her door mm. and knocking on her door.
0: So let's talk about the first meeting. You knew because you heard the music drifting through, perhaps <laughs> that that he was there, and then he, you guys meet. What did, what was the reaction in your mind, uh, Rosanna? Were you? Thinking this is a big moment or is this is well, strange? At or... No,
1: at first, I, like I said, uh, he explained who he was and how he knew me and, mm-hmm. I, and it all clicked together, you know, because I was – trying to find out the same information from Tom, and he would never give it to me. Oh, so
0: you're looking for sources yeah, and wondering to to how Tom, does that happen? I used to say <laughs> to Tom, I've
1: done so many of these, why can't I just meet them? And he's like, no, it's better that I deal with them. You don't want to meet these guys. And yeah. so I would just drop off the stuff, and and he was kind of the middleman. So he didn't want to give up that position, I guess. And um, But so he knocked yeah. on the door, and I, you know, he asked me if I was that person, the lady. That made, and I said, yeah, I yeah. am, and, and that's how— um, You know, we started doing stuff directly at first.
0: So you started asking for things, she could deliver them and design them as you wanted. And it was a perfect fit.
2: Absolutely, it was no more middleman now. It was like, this is what we want. And it was just now me and her dealing. We weren't a a partner, we weren't a a business at that point. We were just now, no middleman.
0: Okay, so you're a very uh, successful guy. You understand business, how it works. You understand entertainment and style and design and who made the first uh, overture to say come together and form a, a partnership here and that
2: state. idea came from uh, one of the members of my group named oh. um, benzino um he's a he's a reality star you could see him on love and hip-hop and stuff like that he was uh co-owner of the source magazine when it was at its peak uh-huh. um, but the idea to create a brand he didn't give the name or anything like that, but he knew that I was responsible for designing what I, what we wore. So he one day at dinner, we were talking about other ways to make money as a group other, other than just music. And he was like, you should start a clothing brand. You make all the designs we make anyway. We got the Source magazine. You're going to be getting full page ads, spreads, full back front, you know, endless for free. And he, that was an idea that was just shot across the dinner table. When I, you know, yeah. we're eating, and I'm like, "Hey," right. He's like, you should talk to Rosanna about it. Maybe she will, she'll be with it. And,
0: <laughs> and um, you know, I did. Well, we've talked, <laughs> Rosanna and I have talked, and please fill us in again, about the celebrities you sort of started to come in contact with in the rock and roll world and the music world. So it wasn't that you were, this was foreign to you, this idea.
1: Well, no, my background, I had d- dealt with celebrities also, but um, this was a whole new avenue for me. And um, my focus was on maybe going the graphic design way. And then he, Antonio presented me with the idea of working with him, and that's how we started working together. And he's the one that had all the connections to the celebrities in the hip-hop world and the Source magazine, of course. And... So we just started making stuff for um, the people he knew, which were, you know, all in the hip hop. Uh, some of the big names Antonio knows the more than I do. Yeah, you want
2: to drop a few names? Who were, <laughs> who were you talking Mace, about? Mace was one of the first. Oh. Uh, Mace and Puff Daddy and um, a lot of the uh, the Patriots, um, Ja Rule, Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent. No, no big uh, names I'm hearing. Just... Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., Mariah Carey, wow. Britney Spears. Uh, we, we've made a lot of stuff. It's,
0: it's, it's so cool because we all know of others in the music and entertainment business who have gotten into design, into fashion. And so many of them have really become big in that area, as you guys have done, because you have access to an audience already, right? you got a built-in audience who are desperate for cool stuff.
2: Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. But I think the single most powerful thing we had was the Source magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that allowed us yeah. to reach millions of people around the world. Their subscription base was uh, millions. And I think without that, we of course, it would have been tremendously hard for us to build the following that we did. So we, we always would be grateful to what the Source allowed us to do in, in terms of creating
0: yep. Here's a question. Was it a magazine at the time, an actual physical magazine? <laughs> Absolutely. It, was, it was the only one. It was, was yeah.
1: the, the hip-hop magazine it at was, the time. It yeah. was, yeah. because,
0: of course, today we live in an era when everything's digital, but it's it's kind of interesting to think that that was such a big well, factor. Well, it,
1: it turned into a big magazine. You asked how I felt I was hesitant at the beginning, right, to, mm-hmm. to do it, and um, mm-hmm. after a couple times talking and stuff and him showing me that what the full picture could be um i decided to do it and it really re sparked my design desires in me which were gone you know and uh, yeah. so it was um and you know it just it just helped it, me to, it's to one stay thing though business. to have
0: an idea and and it's another thing to start to implement it and make these things happen on a wide scale share with us both of you a little bit about how your business came together and how you built it because you built it with the help of source but you also had to come up with the goods and manufacture and mail order and all that. Do you want to start,
2: Antonio? Yeah, I think um, because I've been drawing since a kid, drawing has always been a passion of mine. Ideas are always in my head. I've always been fashionable. So for me, creating the brand with, with Rosanna was more or less I'll design the things. She's an expert um, pattern maker. She's mm. an expert seamstress. So with those two things, and I had I've always had graphic people on my side. So with graphics, drawing, pattern making, s- sewing, promotion on the end of that, and an audience that all had th- those were all the ingredients to succeed.
1: Yeah, a perfect recipe.
0: On your end, Rosanna, then he's giving you all of this input on what he's looking at, and you're able to then work your magic as as a leather person and put it together.
1: So we knew we were a good team. That was the first step. Uh, then we had to go about choosing a name, which is important. So Antonio really put a lot of thought into it, and he came up with Antonio Saldi, which is a combination of our names. His full name is Marco Antonio Ennis, mine, Rosanna Saldi. So he took his middle name and my last name, and that's how Antonio Saldi was born. So um, we formed a corporation, Antonio Saldi Incorporated, And later, as the brand became more popular, we trademarked the name. So um, that's the origin of that. And over the years, people would think Antonio Insaldi is a person and would relate that back to Antonio. So they would think I was his wife or his sister or somehow related. So in a way, he's taken on that persona of being Antonio Insaldi, and it works.
0: How much do you have to be constantly up on what young people are digging? I mean, you really have – it's a lot of research because you don't want to just – come up with something that you love and then realize it's guys like me who are going to buy it and there aren't too many of us.
2: (laughs) A good designer (laughs) is going to design what the mass market wants, even if it's something that you don't wear. Like, for example, skinny jeans. Skinny jeans are very popular with the young crowd. And skinny jeans are jeans that are pretty much like leggings. Right. I would never wear that. But to not make that is excluding yourself from profitable business from a, an audience that would buy it, and so it's it's all about catering and trying to stay up on, stay present, stay relevant by designing things that people want.
0: So it's always fun when you're starting an enterprise, a new thing. You get to know each other, you start to work deals and work projects together. But uh, things happen. You got some. Cute stories you wanted to share. I don't know if they're so cute at the time, but <laughs> no. what's this story about the police at one fifteen and uh, some kind of a bank robbery that happened? Or so what, one we, at a time here.
1: So we uh, were we were uh, you know with the popularity from the source we were doing lots and lots of clothing and we were making clothing for. Was it your group into? Yeah, that that time?
2: particular incident was a, a bunch of jackets for the Wise Guys, and there's a big story behind the Wise Guys as well. Well, we want to hear a little <laughs> bit of it, please. So, the Wise Guys <laughs> is a group that we formed um, from RSO. We, it's a s- compilation of sixteen impact players from gangs around the streets of Boston. We there was at that time, uh, murders was at an all-time high in Boston. We were a a group that made gangster music. We were blamed for a lot of violence because of the music that we made. So we wanted to prove to the police and to the city that it's not the music that we're making. It's just, it's the guns that are coming in, which we have no control about. So we wanted to show them we're not the police. But we can stop this violence that you guys can't stop and we did it so we got these impact players from all these different gangs and we got them to put their guns down we got them to come into the studio and and make an album and form a group called the wise guys they got signed to def jam and rap a lot through their through their uh musical talents um but the thing is and i'll just say this the album was called in the company of killers because they were killers they were they were, these were gang members. They were gang members, right and when them. we got them together in a the studio, they were days apart from exchanging gunfire. So we knew we had something there. So we were able to get all of these guys to put their guns down, come on the road with us, call back home if we heard anything, and tell their gang members, knock it off. No retaliation, no this, no this. We're, we're, we're getting this stuff together. So in 96, if you go back and check murders were at an all-time low and it's never been that low since then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, we were to back to the initial uh incident, we were
1: How many guys were there at the
2: time? Over 20 something cuz yeah. there were 16 gangs, but there were more members, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one gang would would have about five or six members and they, so it was it was
1: And we did jackets for all of them. Well,
2: yeah, it had to be about maybe 50 or so. It was a lot. Wow and we, were, a,
1: we were on a deadline that night. We were on
2: a deadline and we were we had to deliver each jacket each group had a different color, a different style and I, you know I had to draw them all out. I, I had to make every gang's jacket different. So we drew them out. Rosanna made the patterns. she was in there day and night so and so and so and so and so we go to pick these jackets up because the next day we were doing a big photo shoot for the Source magazine. This photo shoot ended up being a double page spread with those jackets in it. And it was my job to go pick them up with a couple of my guys to bring them and distribute them to the the gangs.
1: Now, this is midnight on Newberry Street.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Newberry Street, just for the listeners from around the world, is the Tony fashionable streets like Rodeo Drive in Boston. Or Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So we were coming out the building with big big bags of leathers and as soon as we exit the building we're met with guns drawn from police officers and detectives saying put the bags down put your hands up and we're like (laughs) like what and so they they forcefully, you know, I'm still
1: got, up in the studio sewing there, yeah,
2: she's still finishing up some other jackets because we weren't those weren't all the jackets. those were just the ones that we were getting right, out, you know, because she had them all in her in her um space there, so. He so, was trying to clear space out.
0: So what happened uh, the, the, when he, got, but he got
2: arrested here at this point. No one got arrested because Rosanna came down. In, 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 <laughs> and He's and,
1: yelling up to the window. The cops are out here. Yeah, <laughs> they think so we're robbing the place.
2: They were profiling,
0: of course, the the idea that a bunch of uh, uh, men of color who looked pretty tough are walking out with jackets. Absolutely. <laughs> wow.
2: So I tried to tell him, you know, this is my brand, and my partner's upstairs, and you know, just if you go and check. She'll tell you that we didn't steal these.
0: One look at her, and that's going to diffuse every situation, I would imagine. Oh, is that tied in with a robbing bank story? That that was another incident. Another incident. (laughs)
1: Yeah. We had sent someone uh, who was working with us around the corner. There was a CVS around the corner, YG. And we needed, I don't know, scotch tape or something. And we sent him around the corner to CVS. And um, he comes back. He brings it. You know, he's only gone like five minutes. And next thing you know, the cops are at the door and they're saying, oh, we followed someone back here. They robbed the bank around the corner yeah. and it was a big thing. They wanted to come in and search the place. And yeah. you know, Do you have a search warrant? And they're like, no. And then you know, the the another cop came behind him at the guy that was at the door, and he said, "You know, we got, we found who whoever was that was uh, robbing the bank." Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, it is what it is. Unfortunately, maybe it's a little better today, maybe not. I don't know, but still, you you weathered those moments, and now you can look now back can and laugh and laugh at them. Yeah. And laugh yeah. at them. Yeah. Um, there's something here in my notes about a room service bill for $20,000. we will we'll get to That's that. That's ahead, yeah. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just teasing that for the audience. <laughs> so the business is growing. Um, this is a great story. The business is growing, and you're doing, in the, at those points in time, mail order, right? This was before Internet, yeah. Amazon buying kind of stuff. Yeah. So people would order through the, through the mail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool.
2: Yeah, we had like a little a business uh a BRC card. Mm-hmm. Business retail card, I believe that means. Yeah. Um we used to put that in the Source magazine and like I said, the popularity of the magazine, people would see the ad and they can cut out the uh BRC card in order, you know, just check off what they or- yeah. want to order. And so we, we made a, a good uh So you're
0: getting orders from all over the country and absolutely. maybe beyond.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely.
0: So as as the orders start to come in, uh, little Rosanna's sewing her heart out. You've got to expand your ability to fulfill the orders, I guess, right? So tell us a little bit, either one of you, what happens at that point.
1: So at that point, like you said, it was getting to the point where we couldn't really handle it as far as manufacturing ourselves or producing it ourselves. So we reached out. To a leather manufacturer, and we found him in New York. In Manhattan, yeah. yeah. And Mm -hmm. we met with him, and uh, it was a good fit. I mean, Jake was a good guy, Mm -hmm. and he started doing all of our ready to wear leathers. Now,
0: you're talking at this point mainly jackets and vests and things like that?
2: Yeah, we pretty much started out leather. That was, that was
0: right. the thing. Expanding the line because there's so much demand, right? People like your stuff.
1: Well, we point. did through Jake, we ended up doing a trade show in Las Vegas with him, and he offered to take us into the booth with him and to see if we could sell. Do, now start retail, start selling our stuff wholesale so mm-hmm. that it could be sold in retail stores. So through that popularity of that first show, we said, we need to expand the line because we were selling stuff, and that's when we expanded into jeans and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff.
0: How important at that point was the trade show concept?
1: It was Very, really important. Yeah, Very,
2: because um, that, that was a way to get wholesale accounts. And by getting wholesale accounts, you're definitely going to build your brand. And if you get wholesale accounts, then you can get manufacturing.
0: Which is a big, big step forward. That get that's bumping you up to another level.
1: Yeah, so so it did. It bumped us up, and then we and we got to the point where that you know we needed to find a manufacturer to do that because we were doing our own trade shows. We didn't you know share a booth anymore. We had our own uh, trade shows that we were doing in Vegas, and we had expanded the line with the jeans and the t-shirts and all that. So things Mm -hmm. things were going well, and um, I remember our first trade show uh, alone and antonio couldn't make it to that one and he had mm-hmm. sent me with with the crew <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: i'd love a picture of that that must have been really <laughs> yeah, cool was we, this in vegas it as was well? in
1: vegas and we rolled in in the big escalade i remember and it was at this posh <laughs> hotel and i i remember i got out to uh, check in and you know they're serving drinks on silver trays while you're waiting to check in and the guys are unloading the truck and then you know, all of a sudden, um, uh, I hear this big crash, and and I look, and the crew had come in with a stuff, but they had knocked the guy with a tray. His tray went flying, and the drinks are all over the place. So it was it was pretty funny. But hey, I said, hey, hey Tony on here. You know what <laughs> they so say: so what
0: happens funny. there stays there. <laughs> even though we're sharing it with the world right now, but that's okay.
1: So it started. Yeah, it was fun, and then you know we we went and we set up the booth and we did all we had to do. You know, the day before the show, so we were ready to go, and and then. Antonio had sent a crew to just concentrate on just marketing, passing out flyers and doing all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then we had people that were going to work in the booth and uh, we had a couple of interns that came with us. So yeah. the next day, you know, we get up and um, head over to the tr- trade show at 9 o'clock in the morning. And the guys that were supposed to do the marketing, they, they roll in with um, bottles of moe. Drinking them like beer bottles, right? And then walking around, passing out the flyers, and I'm like, "Okay, what's going on here?" You know. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, "All right." So the day goes on, and then it was getting worse. And I I call Antonio and I tell him what's going on here. So he talked to them. Come to find out, they had racked up a twenty thousand uh, dollar room service bill. They ordered like cases of Moe and steaks and lobsters, and they were <laughs> all a that, ball. All of that. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, if you ever saw Mad Men from the 60s and 70s, that TV show, you know, they would have martini lunches. Sounds like these guys were into marketing in a big way.
2: Yeah, that and just wanting to, you know, when you get out there in Vegas, guys want to, you know, impress women and, and just do things that. Yeah, just out of ordinary.
1: But well, he straightened them out. He straightened them out. So then they sh- he, we shut off all their rooms, so they had to come to my room every morning for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. And that was the end of that. Well, one of, one of the
0: things about having a thriving business in any uh, line is, you know, people. And you got to have the right people, and you also have to sort of guide them. I'm using that as a euphemism. you got to lead them. you got to be the boss. you got to make sure you have certain, mm-hmm. you know, expectations and regulations to yeah. move it forward. So – there's an international uh, connection now, right? And this is where I, I was curious about manufacturing. When you are faced with all these orders and you know you've got to step it up, do you look at that point domestically? Do you look at anybody in the U.S.? Or do you automatically think, because of the economics and the times, let's go overseas for this? How did that happen?
2: Um, well, we were working with a, a company out of New York that was getting manufacturing done overseas um, and we met by going our travels of going to the magic show in Vegas, we were able to venture over onto the other side. The magic is set up in two different parts. You have the the uh, the wholesale side where you try to get wholesale accounts and then the, on on the back side, there's manufacturers from all over the world. And when I when I got uh, knowledge of that, I would go over there and just you know make my rounds and see who, you know what type of manufacturing is going on, and that's how we were able to link with um, uh, a manufacturer over in Taiwan that was able to produce denim's for us, and really, you know, really cool designs. We were able to get our rivets and, and our logo here, so we were making we were making denim's that were not seen at that time. We had leather accent on our jeans. Um, Everything that we kind of did had a leather accent, whether it was a leather um, side tag or a leather a left chest application. But we would always try to incorporate
1: leather. That's By sweet. the we way, the rattling.
2: I,
0: normally <laughs> when I'm having guests in my studio, I say, you know, I might want to take off your jewelry. And not in your case. You are decked out, man, with some beautiful stuff. And right. we might even talk a little bit about what you're wearing a little later. But right now, the new millennium is just around the corner, which gives us a lot to talk about. So stay tuned for much more.
1: Thank you for listening to Decades of Design, a snapshot of my career journey. Find out more design details by reaching out to me on LinkedIn or view products from my retail store at andovercollection.com. Please subscribe and download and tell your friends. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. Remember, stay creative and design a great life.